Book Six, Canto Five, The Legend of Calidor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Six, The Legend of Calidor. Canto Five. The salvage serves Matilda well, till she Prince Arthur find, who her together with his squire, with the hermit leaves behind. Oh, what an easy thing is to describe the gentle blood, however it be wrapped in sad misfortunes, foul deformity, and wretched sorrows, which have often happed. For howsoever it may grow misshaped, like this wild man being undisciplined, that to all virtue it may seem unapt, Yet will it show some sparks of gentle mind, And at the last break forth in his own proper kind. That plainly may in this wild man be read, Who though he were still in this desert wood, Mongst salvage beasts, both rudely born and bred, Nor ever saw fair guise, nor learned good, Yet showed some token of his gentle blood By gentle usage of that wretched dame. For certes he was born of noble blood, However by hard hap he hever came, As ye may know, when time shall be to tell the same. Who when as now long time he lacked had The good Sir Calipine, that far was strayed, Did wex exceeding sorrowful and sad, As he of some misfortune were afraid, And leaving there this lady all dismayed, Went forth straightway into the forest wild, To seek if he perchance asleep were laid, Or whatso else were unto him betide, he sought him far and near, yet him nowhere he spied. Though back returning to that sorry dame, he showed semblant of exceeding moan, by speaking signs as he them best could frame, now wringing both his wretched hands in one, now beating his hard head upon a stone, that ruth it was to see him so lament. By which she well perceiving what was done, gan tear her hair, and all her garments rent, and beat her breast, and piteously herself torment. Upon the ground herself she fiercely threw, regardless of her wounds, yet bleeding rife, that with their blood did all the floor imbrue, as if her breast, new launched with murderous knife, would straight dislodge the wretched weary life. There she long grovelling and deep groaning lay, as if her vital powers were at strife with stronger death, and feared their decay. Such were this lady's pangs and dolorous assay. And when the salvage saw so sore distressed, he reared her up from the bloody ground, and sought by all the means that he could best her to recure her out of that stony swound, and staunch the bleeding of her dreary wound. Yet nood she be recomforted for naught, nor sees her sorrow and impatient stand. But day and night did vex her careful thought, and ever more and more her own affliction wrought. At length, when as no hope of his return she saw now left, she cast to leave the place, and wend abroad, though feeble and forlorn, to seek some comfort in that sorry case. His steed, now strong, threw rest so long a space, well as she could, she got, and did bedight, and being thereon mounted, forth did pace, without and guide her to conduct aright, or guard her to defend from bold oppressor's might. Whom when her host saw ready to depart, he would not suffer her alone to fare, but gan himself address to take her part, 
Those warlike arms, which Calipine Walier had left behind, he gan eftsoons prepare, and put them all about himself unfit. His shield, his helmet, and his curates bare, but without sword upon his thigh to sit. Sir Calipine himself away had hidden it. So forth they travelled, an uneven pair, that mote to all men seem an uncouth sight. A salvage man matched with a lady fair, that rather seemed the conquest of his might gotten by spoil than purchased a right. But he did her attend most carefully, and faithfully did serve both day and night, withouten thought of shame or villainy, nor ever showed sign of foul disloyalty. Upon a day, as on their way they went, in chance some furniture about her steed to be disordered by some accident, which to redress she did the assistance need of this her groom, which he by signs did read, and straight his converse arms aside did lay upon the ground, withouten doubt or dread, and in his homely wise began to assay, to amend what was amiss, and put in right array. But which whilst he was busied thus hard, lo where a knight together with his squire, all arms to point came riding thitherward, which seemed by their portents and attire to be two errant knights, that did inquire after adventures, where they mote them get. Those were to wheat, if that ye it require, Prince Arthur and young Timius, which met by strange occasion, that here needs forth be set. After that Timius had again recured the favour of Belphoebe, as ye heard, and of her grace did stand again assured, to happy bliss he was full high upreared, neither of envy nor of change afeared, though many foes did him malign therefore, and with unjust detraction him did beard. Yet he himself so well and wisely bore, that in her sovereign liking he dwelt evermore. But of them all, which did his ruin seek, three mighty enemies did him most despite, three mighty ones, and cruel-minded eke, that him not only sought by open might to overthrow, but to supplant by slight. The first of them by name was called Despeto, exceeding all the rest in power and height. The second, not so strong, but wise, Deceto. The third, nor strong nor wise, but spitefulest, Defeto. Oft times their sundry powers they did employ, and several deceits, but all in vain. For neither they by force could him destroy, nor yet entrap in treason's subtle train. Therefore, conspiring altogether plain, they did their counsels now in one compound, where singled forces fail, conjoined may gain. The blatant beast the fittest means they found, to work his utter shame, and thoroughly him confound. Upon a day, as they the time did wait, when he did range the wood for salvage game, they sent that blatant beast to be a bait, to draw him from his dear beloved dame, unawares into the danger of defame. For well they wist that squire to be so bold, that no one beast in forest wild or tame met him in chase, but he it challenge would, and pluck the prey of times out of their greedy hold. The hardy boy, as they devised had, seeing the ugly monster passing by, upon him set, of peril not adrad, nor skilful of the uncouth jeopardy, and charged him so fierce and furiously, that his great force, unable to endure, he forced was to turn from him and fly. Yet, ere he fled, with his truth impure, him heedless bit, the whiles he was thereof secure. Securely he did after him pursue, thinking by speed to overtake his flight, who through thick woods and brakes and briers him drew, to weary him the more, and waste his spite. 
So that he now has almost spent his sprite, Till that at length unto a woody glade He came whose covert stopped his further sight. There his three foes, shrouded in gulful shade, Out of their ambush broke, and gan him to invade. Sharply they all at once did him assail, Burning with inward rancour and despite, And heaped strokes did round about him hail With so huge force, that seemed nothing might Bear off their blows from piercing through quite. Yet he them all so warily did ward, That none of them in his soft flesh did bite, And all the while his back for best safeguard He leant against a tree, that backward onset barred. Like a wild bull, that being at a bay, is baited of a mastiff, and a hound, and a cur-dog, That do him sharper say on every side, And beat about him round. But most that cur barking with bitter sound, And creeping still behind, doth him encumber, That in his chuff he digs the trampled ground, And threats his horns, and bellows like the thunder. So did that squire his foes disperse, and drive asunder. Him so well behoved so, for his three foes sought to encompass him on every side, and dangerously did round about him close. But most of all Defetto him annoyed, creeping behind him still to have destroyed. So did Deceto eke him circumvent, but stout Despetto in his greater pride did front him face to face against him bent, yet he them all withstood, and often made relent. Till that at length nigh tired with former chase, and weary now with careful keeping ward, he gan to shrink, and somewhat to give place, full like ere long to have escaped hard, when as unawares he in the forest heard a trampling steed, that with his neighing fast did warn his rider to be upon his guard, with noise whereof the squire, now nigh aghast, revived was, and sad despair away did cast. Eftsoons he spied a knight approaching nigh, who seeing one in so great danger set mongst many foes, himself did faster hide to rescue him, and his weak part abet, for pity so to see him overset, whom soon as his three enemies did view, they fled, and fast into the wood did get, him booted not to think them to pursue, the covert was so thick that did no passage shew. Then turning to that swain, him well he knew to be his Timius, his own true squire, whereof exceeding glad he to him drew, and him embracing twixt his arms entire, him thus bespake, My life's desire, why have ye me alone this long eleft? Tell me what world's despite, or heaven's ire, hath you thus long away from me bereft? Where have ye all this while been wandering, where been weft? With that he sighed deep for inward tine, to whom the squire nought answered again. But shedding few soft tears from tender eyne, His dear effect with silence did restrain, And shut up all his plaint in privy pain. There they a while some gracious speeches spent, As to them seemed fit time to entertain. After all which up to their steeds they went, And forth together rode a comely couplement. So now they be arrived both in sight of this wild man, Whom they full busy found about the sad serena things to dight, with whose brave armours lying on the ground, that seemed the spoil of some right well renowned, which when that squire beheld, he to them stepped, thinking to take them from that howling hound, but he it seeing, lightly to him leapt, and sternly with strong hand it from his handling kept, gnashing his grinded teeth with greasy look, 
and sparkling fire out of his furious eyne, him with his fist unawares on the head he strooke, that made him down unto the earth incline, when soon upstarting much he gan repine, and laying hand upon his wrathful blade, thought therewithal forthwith him to have slain, who it perceiving, hand upon him laid, and greedily him griping his avengement stayed. With that aloud the fair Serena cried unto the knight, them to dispart in twain, who to them stepping did them soon divide, and did from further violence restrain, albe the wild man hardly would refrain. Then gan the prince of her for to demand, rotten from whence she was, and by what train she fell into that salvage villain's hand, and whether free with him she now were, or in band. To whom she thus, I am, as now ye see, the wretchedest dame that live this day on ground, who both in mind, the which most grieveth me, and body have received a mortal wound, that hath me driven to this dreary stound. I was erewhile the love of Calipine, who whether he alive be to be found, or by some deadly chance be done to pine, since I him lately lost, uneath is to define. In salvage forest I him lost of late, where I had surely long ere this been dead, or else remained in most wretched state, had not this wild man in that woeful stead kept, and delivered me from deadly dread, in such a salvage white of brutish kind, among wild beasts in desert forests bred, it is most strange and wonderful to find, so mild humanity, the perfect gentle mind. Yet me therefore this favour for him find, that ye will not your wrath upon him wreak, sith he cannot express his simple mind, nor yours conceive, nor but by tokens speak, small praise to prove your power on white so weak. With such fair words she did their heat assuage, and the strong course of their displeasure break, that they to pity turned their former rage, and each sought to supply the office of her page. So having all things well about her dight, she on her way cast forward to proceed, and they her forth conducted, where they might find harbour fit to comfort her great need, for now her wounds corruption gan to breed, and eke this squire, who likewise wounded was, of that same monster late, for lack of heed, now gan to faint, and further could not pass through feebleness, which all his limbs oppressed has. So forth they rode together, all in troop, to seek some place, the which mote yield some ease to these sick twain, that now began to droop, and all the way the prince sought to appease the bitter anguish of their sharp disease, by all the courteous means he could invent, some while with merry purpose fit to please, and other while with good encouragement, to make them to endure the pains did them torment. Mongst which Serena did to him relate the foul discourtesies and unlikely parts which Turpine had unto her showed late, without compassion of her cruel smarts. Although Blandina did with all her arts him otherwise persuade, all that she might, yet he of malice, without her deserts, not only her excluded late at night, but also traitorously did wound her weary night. Wherewith the prince, sore moved, there avowed, that soon as he returned back again, he would avenge the abuses of that proud and shameful knight, of whom she did complain. This wise did they each other entertain, to pass the tedious travel of the way, till towards night they came unto a plain, by which a little hermitage there lay, far from all neighbourhood, the which annoy it may. And nigh thereto a little chapel stood, which being all with ivy overspread, decked all the roof, and shadowing the rood, 
seemed like a grove fair branched overhead. Therein the hermit, which his life here led, in straight observance of religious vow, was wont his hours and holy things to bed. And therein he likewise was praying now, when as these knights arrived, they wist not where nor how. They stayed not there, but straightway in did pass, whom when the hermit present saw him in place, from his devotion straight he troubled was, which breaking of he did toward them pace, with stayed steps, and grave beseeming grace, for well it seemed, that while whilom he had been some goodly person, and of gentle race, that could his good to all, and well did ween how each to entertain, with curtsy well beseen. And soothly, it was said by common fame, so long as age enabled him thereto, that he had been a man of mickle name, renowned much in arms and daring do. But being aged now, and weary too of war's delight, and world's contentious toil, the name of knighthood he did disavow, and hanging up his arms and warlike spoil, from all this world's encumbrance did himself assoil. He thence them led into his hermitage, letting their steeds to graze upon the green. Small was his house, and like a little cage, for his own turn, yet inly neat and clean, decked with green boughs and flowers gay beseen. Therein he them full fair did entertain, not with such forged shows as fitter been for courting fools that curtsies would fain, but with entire affection and appearance plain. Yet was there fair but homely such as he did use, his feeble body to sustain, the which full gladly they did take in glee, such as it was, nor did of want complain, but being well sufficed, them rested fain. But fair serene all night could take no rest, nor yet that gentle squire, for grievous pain of their late wounds, the which the blatant beast had given them, whose grief through sufferance sore increased. So all that night they passed in great disease, till that the morning, bringing early light to guide men's labours, brought them also ease, and some assuagement of their painful plight. Then up they rose, and gan themselves to dight unto their journey, but that squire and dame so faint and feeble were, that they no might endure to travel, nor one foot to frame. Their hearts were sick, their sides were sore, their feet were lame. Therefore the prince, whom great affairs in mind would not permit to make them longer stay, was forced there to leave them both behind in that good hermit's charge, whom he did pray to tend them well. So forth he went his way, and with him eke the salvage, that while here seeing his royal usage and array, was greatly grown in love of that brave peer, would needs depart, as shall be declared elsewhere. End of Canto 5, Book 6, The Legend of Calidore.